Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Hey Corner Crew podcast. I am your host, JJ Lang, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host. You know him, you love him, Nate, the little goon foss. Hey, what's up? This break has been horrible. Yeah, it's been <laughs> way too long without hockey. Um, <laughs> but we have a present for you guys um, leading up to Christmas. I will pass it over to Nate to introduce our special guest for today. So today we have with us a gentleman who has seen almost everything as it pertains to RIT hockey. He's done well over a thousand games. He is a recent inductee to the RIT Athletics Hall of Fame, the voice of RIT Tiger Hockey on Twitter 89.7 and the RIT Tiger Sports Network, Mr. Ed Trafsker. Thanks, hey. guys. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to do this. Of course, Ed. I mean, I think we can speak for everybody that you've you've kind of become the unofficial official voice of RAT hockey over the airways for a very long time. So I know everybody, all of our listeners and viewers are going to be very happy to have you on to hear to hear your thoughts on some things. Okay, great. Um, so starting off, just in case for some reason people have no idea who you are, which at this point I have no idea how that's possible. Um, if you want to just introduce yourself real quick, that would be awesome. Okay, well, I've been part of the RIT Hockey broadcasts on WITR since we started this current uh, consecutive years of uh, broadcasts all the way back to 1982-83 season. Uh, did various things, worked in the studio between periods, did stats, filled in on color, filled in on play-by-play, and uh, for like the last uh, 14 seasons or so, I've been the primary play-by-play voice of the Tigers. So I was the student station manager when we started doing the broadcast back then. And we started out doing just home games that year until the Tigers made the NCAA playoffs. And uh, what they do, they went ahead and won the National Division II championship this that year. So it was, uh, it was a great way to get started, and it's been fun to be part of it ever since. Yeah, it was, that's... That's incredible that you've been with the team that long, and I've seen that many things. So it's safe to say, so you started as a student, correct? Yep. I was gonna say, so, so you are an alumni. I, was say, I thought you were an alumni. Um, so what made you want to get into like radio broadcasting or working on the radio? Well, <clears throat> when I came to RIT, actually, I wanted to work for a reporter. Okay. And uh, I had been the uh, editor of my high school paper and had been part of that for several years. So uh, like uh, during orientation time, right before classes started, I went down to the reporter office in the student alumni union building and walked in and introduced myself to the editor and said, hey, I'd like to work for a reporter. And uh, she said, well, what experience do you have? And I said, well, you know, I uh, worked for my high school paper and edited it that and went through a little bit. And she she looked at me, kind of looked up and down and said, well, this is college, honey, and, <laughs> and kind of walked away. So I said, well, that's not going to happen. And then I ended up um, in my dorm room and the door was open and the door across the hall was open. And uh, the guy across the hall was listening to WITR and there was a a station promo on there saying they needed people to work in the news department, uh, newscasting, writing, and so forth. And I said, well, I can do that. Went down there and figured maybe I would help write some news or something. Next thing I knew, they had me on the air doing the news. And uh, then I was news director and then station manager and then 
it kind of all took off from there. So that's that's how I got into it. Although when I was a kid, I really liked to listen to, uh, like to pick up distant radio stations and keep a log of them as a hobby. So I've I've kind of been into radio all along. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so I guess into the hockey aspect, um, great start for the Tigers so far this year. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is definitely one of the better teams we've seen in a long time, and it's been really fun. So what are your thoughts? Oh, man, there is so much to like about this team. One of the things we do on the broadcast, uh, like when we're in the car and so forth, especially mid-season, is we give everybody a report card. And I'm not going to tell you everybody's grades, but uh, (laughs) everybody had pretty high grades and we weren't grading on a curve. So that tells you a lot. I think the thing that jumps out at me the most is that every time the Tigers have had a lot of success uh, at Division I, there have been two things involved. One is defensemen who get involved in the scoring, and second is really solid goaltending. And I suppose you could add uh, depth of forward line. So we're seeing all that. But, you know, the defensive pair of Jojo Casero and Aiden Hanson Bucata has just been phenomenal to watch. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I couldn't be uh, couldn't be more thrilled for how Jojo Casero is playing. And, you know, one guy who was very happy to see that was Jared DeMichael uh, when he was here for the uh, Hall of Fame inductions because he had recruited uh, Jan- Gianfranco Casero to UMass and was very happy to see him end up at RIT where he could get great coaching and more playing time and so forth. And, you know, his performance has been great. And the two of them on the uh, on the power play on special teams, it's just been uh, superb to watch. A uh, really good freshman class this year. Um, You get uh, three lines that are scoring and then a a fourth line that is doing what a fourth line needs to do. So, you know, the only deficiency, and maybe we'll get to that, but the only deficiency I've seen is in uh, taking a few too many penalties. But fortunately, the penalty kill's been good. So there's almost nothing to complain about. I was going to say, I, I think leading into that was, was there anything you think they, they could improve on going into the second half of the season? My, I mean, obviously the penalty penalty trouble has been huge all year, but like you said, the penalty kill has also been outstanding the whole season as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an area where they need to improve and not, I wouldn't want this to see them get less aggressive, but there are points in a game where you need to be, for lack of a better term, le- less stupid. You know, if you're jostling with a guy before the face-off and he gets you annoyed and then you spear him, that's that's stupid. Or if you um, have the opportunity to go on a power play and you get into retaliation and you lose that, you know, that's stupid, that kind of thing. I, I Or mouthing off to the officials. Um, some of those kind of things are things I wish they wouldn't take. But one of the things that we noticed this season is – in the periods where the Tigers don't take a penalty, they tend also not to score. And so if they take their foot off the gas pedal, that's not good too, good either. You know, and some of them, you know, if a guy gets a five instead of a two for something along the boards, maybe he's gone a little too far. But, uh, you know, it's the, the unnecessary penalties, not the aggressive ones that, I, that kind of bother me, I guess. I guess my who is who's been a surprise to you this year? Who's kind of 
come out of nowhere and like, hey, you know, this guy's been pretty good or he's had a really big impact? Well, it's it's hard for to say anybody's come out of nowhere, but I guess I'd have to put uh, Casero at the top of that. I think I was a little disappointed last year. I expected a little more. And this year I'm seeing more than I expected. He's been nothing short of terrific. And I think he's got to be, you know, he, he's got to be a first team uh, all Atlantic hockey this year. And, uh, you know, maybe up there in the consideration for player of the year, the way he's been playing, you know, those kind of numbers as a defenseman are just fantastic. I was, um, I mean, I, but, but go ahead. I was going to say, Nate and I have said on this show multiple times on this, on the podcast that we have, Absolutely no idea how UMass allowed him to leave and come here with how he's playing now. Well, you know, I saw him play for UMass in the national semifinal in Pittsburgh in 21. And he only played on that night because there was a player that was out of the lineup for COVID protocol. Mm -hmm. And he and one of the goaltenders were on their way from Amherst to Pittsburgh in the car. And so they couldn't play on that Thursday night. He was like the number seven or number eight defenseman. I mean, that that's a team that, that certainly that national championship team was at the level where maybe it was hard for him to crack the lineup. And so, you know, that's the difference with some of the teams that have a few NHL draft picks as opposed to maybe teams in Atlantic who are, you know, maybe we have a, a first line that's like a second line on one of those teams and maybe a first defensive pair that might be a second or third on those. But, uh, yeah, I, but I think if he'd had the opportunity, uh, they could have seen him play like that there. Definitely. So I guess kind of getting away from this because it, it's come into play for actually the first time in a long time this year. Yeah. Uh, I know your favorite, P word, the pairwise. Yeah. I know it's still a little early, but for those who don't know, because we do talk about it a lot in Discord, what is the pairwise? How is it and how is it calculated and why does it matter? Okay, well, simply put, the pairwise is the pairwise rankings are a a mathematical model that was originally created to sort of mimic or replicate the way the NCAA chooses uh, teams to be at-large teams in the tournament and then how they're seeded. Eventually, it got to the point where the NCAA was using basically the exact same formula. So whatever you see in the pairwise, those are the numbers that they look at. What that does is very, uh, very objectively determine who's going to be in the tournament and where they're going to be seeded, one, two, three, or four in a region. The reason, or the the things that are calculated in it. One of them is the, one part of it is the RPI, the ratings percentage index. And that's a formula that looks at your winning percentage. That's 25% of it. And then it also includes your opponent's winning percentage and your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. And then there are some bonuses in there uh, for home and road. There's a multiplier in uh, quality wins against teams, but Essentially, what's important about that is how strong your schedule is, which comes from how your opponents and their opponents do. So that's where 
a team in Atlantic Hockey may have a little bit of a difficulty, although the league's getting better every year and is better this year, because if you have if your league non-conference winning percentage is low, then you need a much higher winning percentage to make up for it. So that's one part of it, the the ratings percentage index, the RPI. Then it's also head-to-head against a team. You compare that, and it's also a record against common opponents. And they take those three measures and take all the teams and match you up against each one. And for each one you win the comparison, you get one point. So the top team will win 61 comparisons this year. And then if there's a tie in those comparisons, then they use the RPI as a tiebreaker. So for all intents and purposes, the, the RPI is the number that does that. The reason it's important for RIT this year is because of their strong winning record. They're right around 18, 19 in the pairwise. If you can get up to about, say, 14 or above, then you have a good chance at an at-large bid. And um, if you're in that range come... Uh, the middle of January, about 80% of the teams that are up in that will end up being in the playoffs historically over that. Um, I'm I'm disappointed that Atlantic hockey isn't higher than it is. When I looked this morning, it was a 361 winning percentage out of conference. CCHA is 411, and right now the CCHA would only get one team in. So you need to get above 400 in your league and have a good winning percentage to go after that. But uh, it's kind of fun to be in the, the conversation, you know? It's I was going to say, like, it's been really fun to, you know, like now it's like usually, oh, the pairwise doesn't matter at this point. Like, I remember a couple of years ago we were joking, like, oh, we're number three in the pairwise after, like, the second weekend of the season. Right. Just but now it's like, yeah. yeah, they're still still hanging around here a little bit. And it's been been fun to be actually in the rankings for the first time in a long time. This year, I mean, I thought after the Princeton game, I was like, oh, we're never getting back. And then, oh, they proved me wrong. So, yeah, I mean, Princeton's a better team than they were last year, and they're doing okay. They are. Uh, it's the weekend. The, there are two weekends that are huge for RIT in the pairwise. And one is coming up on the 30th and thir- the 31st against Penn State. Penn State's had a terrific season so far. They're doing very well in the Big Ten. The other is against Arizona State. Arizona State is at the point where they can't afford to lose very many games now. They're going to have Denver. They're going to have RIT. But, you know, after after the RIT weekend, it's going to be teams like Lindenwood and LIU and the Alaskas and so forth. And uh, they can't stumble there. And right now, they're almost in do-or-die territory. So those are going to be big games for them in a great atmosphere in Arizona. But I think if the Tigers can come out of uh, these two weekends, uh, two and two, then they're in good shape. Three and one would be phenomenal. Um, And it's going to tell us a whole lot about this Tiger team, especially against Penn State. Oh, yes. Penn State's going to be huge. It's my buddy, uh, Jim Connolly, who I do some podcasts with for USCHO.com, likes to say, uh, Penn State shoots from the popcorn stand. They basically just, they're averaging well over 40 shots a game. So it's going to be uh, its going to be a challenge for uh, whichever or both the uh, the two goalies who might see action that weekend. Those are gonna I was going to say, I was, at the, uh, I was at the Penn State-Michigan game down there where Penn State put up 49 shots. 
and beat Michigan three nothing. And they're a really good hockey team, both of them. Yep. Yeah. Penn State's a very good team. It's gonna be a fun weekend, hopefully. And yeah, I have I think, personal reasons why that series matters. So, <laughs> well, I, think I have a buddy that, that goes to Penn State, so we're there you looking go. forward to that one. I think RIT can match up with them. I mean, they just have to know, um, know what they're up against. You know, Tigers need to take care of their own end of the ice, and they need to attack the Penn State net. But that's kind of the formula now for uh, for hockey in general. You're going to see that in the World Juniors. Uh, they're going to be a team that's going to play really good defense, really be solid around their own net, and just really attack hard on the other end. And I mean, that's I think that's that's why the 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 sport of hockey is so great right now. It it just I don't think the sport's ever been more fun to watch. Yeah, it's 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 been something this year so far. Um, talking about other teams outside of just RIT, do you have any in particular that you do enjoy to follow or watch either on a year-to-year basis or any that you kind of check in on from time to time to see how they're doing? Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've kind of rekindled my fanship of the Sabres and the Amherst over the last couple of years. I, you know, even if you are a fan of another team in the NHL, you just have to, I think you have to, I, I say you have to just love the Sabres. You know, the the young players that, have, that are playing with a little swagger and enjoying being there. Uh, Don Granado is universally respected by just about any coach you want to talk to. So uh, when I get a chance, I try to look at that. I, I don't get to watch a lot of NHL during the college season. You know, for the stuff I do with USCHO, having to do three podcasts and a column every so often, I really have to keep up on all the other games. I was, I had a guy on Twitter give me a hard time. He said, well, you got to watch the games. And I said, you know, if I watched even a replay of every college game every week, that would be basically every waking hour. So I got to watch clips. I got to watch a few games. I got to look at stats and stuff. It's hard to keep up with it because you're talking about maybe 50 or 60 games on a weekend, possibly. So uh, so I do try to keep up with that. I really don't have uh, another college team that I root for. Um, I tend to root situationally uh, between contests about teams in our league. And when anybody in Atlantic hockey is playing outside the conference, I root for the Atlantic hockey team because it helps us. Sometimes I have to hold my nose, but see, I, I've explained to people, I, I wear different hats. In fact, I've, I probably should have been wearing this hat, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I have to wear when I'm doing an RIT game, I'm wearing my RIT hat literally or figuratively. And when I'm doing uh, uh kind of college hockey in general, I have to kind of, uh, you know, just love the sport, not love any particular team. So, I, you know, in the different roles, I have to be in different places. And if I if I get to go to a women's game and I'm not broadcasting, then I get to just be a fan, which is which is really the best. So you say you watch, you try to watch a lot of college hockey around. And, you know, we're kind of at the halfway point. Who's been your uh, surprise team around college hockey? Like who? Not to use the same term, but who's kind of like come out of nowhere, like kind of unexpectedly. Well, I wrote earlier this week that 
if you were paying attention last year, um, you would have expected to see a pretty good Merrimack team this year. But I don't think anybody would have expected them to be, you know, number three in the pairwise, top no. ten in the polls, all that. No. They're they're doing terrific. Um, my second most uh, unexpected team is Michigan State. Um, you know, I got to do an interview with their head coach, Adam Nightingale. Uh, obviously, Jared DeMichael is one of the associate head coaches, has a a great reputation as a recruiter and as a, a coach. Nightingale has got a great enthusiasm for it. He's back at his alma mater. They've got great goaltender in Dylan St. Cyr. So that's a that's a team I, I, I think has been a real surprise. And I wouldn't it, I, it wouldn't shock me to see them uh, pull a couple of upsets in the postseason. There's a big old RIT connection at both of those schools. So Yeah, yeah, actually. So. Yep, definitely. With Will and I was going to say Merrimack is the Will Calverly effect, but yeah, you know, hey. and I think that's a good example. That's a good place to compare where Atlantic Hockey stands and where maybe a top team in Hockey East stands. Will is still a great player, but he's been a little bit more of a role player at Merrimack. Uh, not to take anything away from him, but that's a case where maybe an Atlantic Hockey first liner is a second or third liner on a top tier team, but that gap continues to, to get narrower each year. Oh yeah. Great to see. Yeah. Um, Going back to RIT hockey. uh, Do you have any favorite memories of doing any calling any RIT games, men's or women's could be either. I mean, obviously your frozen forehead probably leans more towards that's probably one of them, but yeah, Um, that was magical. I still say before you start that UNH game was your best game you've ever called by the way. <laughs> every you once know, in a while, I uh, I still have that saved on my SoundCloud, the post game. And yeah, every once in I, a while, I'll pull it up. Oh, man. If I listen to that, I get a little choked up, you know? I do, too. I'm with you. <laughs> um, yeah, that weekend, I, I've got to say those were my two favorite games. Um, but there've been some, some really exciting ones otherwise, but you know that I remember before the, um, the Denver game, we're, we're driving to Albany. It was, uh, Chris Lurch and Scott Baker and myself. We're like, uh, do you want to stay over after the game tonight or do you want to drive back? You know, we kind of figured, well, they'll, they'll come and they'll have a good game. And when they won, we're like, whoa, whoa, you know, and then, well, Okay, tomorrow are we going to stay over after the game, or do we want to want to head back? Because we're thinking, well, we could get back and meet the team, but then we could also hang out here with some of the parents and some of the fans and all. That um, that New Hampshire game, the way RIT exploded quickly and took the lead, was amazing. And and you've got to just picture the atmosphere of where we were. So we're in the Whatever they call it, was it. The what was it? Center. It was the Times Union Center. That, I think it's like I MVP forgot what they call it. It's been twelve now. different. I don't know. Yeah, and it was the Pepsi yeah. Center and Knickerbocker, and I. So <laughs> we're sitting. Our broadcast position is on the front of the balcony, right about the blue line. We've got the fan section down to the left of us, the RIT section, and we have the band next to us. And sitting right behind us, in the first row of the seats, is former RIT executive vice president of student affairs, Mary Beth Cooper, who's now president of Springfield college. And, 
you know, they'd score and she'd come over and she'd be like patting us on the back and getting <laughs> excited. And, and when they won, she was all excited. And we went to a break before the post game and we turn around and she's just kind of slumped in the chair and she looks at us and she says, how am I going to get everybody to Detroit? <laughs> so, um, but that was, uh, you know, that was amazing, that whole thing. And then part of it, and, and I just watched a, the post-game interview that uh, came up in my YouTube feed the other day. It was Wayne Wilson at the uh, NCAA press conference. And one of the things he talked about was how loose the team was. And so they weren't feeling the pressure and they were probably going to feel that way into the frozen four, which they did. You know, that's when D Mike had his famous uh, underdog overdog Snoop Dogg. I don't, you know, that, that comment, but um, the sad thing about that frozen four is the ice conditions at Ford field in that temporary ice rink were absolutely atrocious. And all the teams were told, you're not allowed to talk about that. And in that in that game against Wisconsin, all it took was a couple of little funny bounces and to give the Badgers momentum and kind of the game ran away with itself. The whole none of the games were close of those three games. It was cool to be there. It was cool atmosphere. Um it it made all the difference. That's I mean, that trip is uh, had a lot to do with it. Atlantic hockey advancing it, it there wouldn't be a Gene Policini center without it. I mean, there's so many things that that came out of it. Um, the effort to finally get athletic scholarships, you know, that that's been an ongoing process. That wasn't something that just happened last year. That's something that's been pushed for a long time. And, you know, all those things, the women's team going D one, all of that came out of that run to the frozen four. And when you think about it, Five years from Division Three to go into that, uh, my uh, my boss at USCHO, the owner of the website, Tim Bruley, said to me um, when RIT went Division One, and I don't know why he came up with this, but he said, "I'll bet you a steak dinner that RIT is in the Frozen Four in five years." But he was right. I don't know where it came from, but uh, yeah, I mean, That's awesome. other, <laughs> I mean, quickly some other games. I know that. Uh, um, that comeback against Canisius when the oh. when the Frozen Four team oh, was there, so that was great. You guys may have seen video of that 2002 game against Elmira where IT scores three goals and then Sammy scores Hill. the game winner. With, with Sam Hill with a couple seconds left. Uh, Ritter was never louder than that was. The game with uh, Jocelyn Guimond in that where he made, I think it was 67 saves in RIT's first Division One win against uh against St. Lawrence. I mean, that was another game. The last couple of minutes uh where where he was out of his mind. There, so there've been a lot of a lot of good ones along the way and probably some that I just can't remember very vividly because a lot of them start to blur after this long. So speaking of going to Detroit and driving all over the country and flying who knows where for different things. Um, do you have any good road trip stories? Any fun play? Any arenas or particular places you like to travel to, or any fun memories you have along the way? Oh boy, yeah, there's some some <laughs> that you can share. Yeah, yeah. That you're allowed <laughs> to share. Some of those, some of those are going to stay more private, yes. but uh, 
earlier on, we tended to travel with the team more on the bus. Um, I remember one, I, I guess I'm going to go in chronological order here. I remember one time being on what was an old school bus that was painted white and it was affectionately called the great white heap. And the, it, the athletic department had this crummy old bus that was cold and everything. And, um, I remember one time uh, on that bus coming back from Elmira and the former head coach, Bruce Delventhal, I uh, was pretty upset about things and was, uh, passing out the sub sandwiches like footballs and just, just really angry. And then he sat down and we're sitting in the seat behind him, Randy and, and I, and he turns around and says, do you guys like ice fishing? And we're like, you know, but, uh, but I remember uh, some of the first trips we made to arenas uh, in the Wayne Wilson era, like uh, the first time we went to, uh, Oswego and we're pulling up there and he'd heard about what uh, the old Romney field house was like. And we're pulling up and we see the basketball arena and he said, Oh, that's not so bad. And the guys are like, no coach, that's the arena. But, um, well, then walking in, one of the things I remember about some of the road trips without getting too specific early on, like in the transition was when RIT was making the move to division one and the, the chair of the, Atlantic Hockey Committee was the former athletic director, Canisius, and he came in uh, with a couple of people from the league uh, and with league commissioner Bob DiGregorio, and they were walking around Ritter Arena and the locker facilities and visitors and everything, and they came back with a whole list of improvements that needed to be made. And then we went on the road starting to play some of the schools in Atlantic Hockey, like American International and their Olympia Ice Center, which is, um, you know, like a 30-year-old version of, 30-year-older version of, of Bill Gray's and a little bit, you know, aluminum bleachers the whole bit. Or the, the um, Milford Ice Pavilion where Sacred Heart used to play that held like 600 people in rickety wooden uh, bleachers and the boards were all crooked. And the one time we were there, I think it was the first time. All right, there were three locker rooms, and RIT was in the ones on the end. And there's like a ten-year-old's birthday party going on in the middle one. Uh, or then when we went to the Johnny Ryan Skating Arena, oh, the Jar, Jar, or the Jaw, if you're from from uh, Boston, where Bentley used to play. So that's why it's cool that places like Bentley and and uh, Sacred Heart have such better arenas because not only does that help them but that helps RIT because if you're bringing somebody into RIT as a recruit and you show them the gene they're blown away and you show them the campus they're even more blown away and then they find out well half our games we got to play in dumps that's not so great so it's really helped uh, RIT to have everybody improve things but um, there are always some fun things along the way one of the things that we always try to do on a road trip, especially if the games are at normal times, not like 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. or whatever we have to do sometimes. Um, not not uh, mentioning any names, AIC, but... Um, <laughs> I was, I was going to say it. <laughs> they're, they're working on it. You know what? They've, they're getting there. They're, they're a lot smaller school than RIT, 
And so mm-hmm. they've got fewer resources, but they do have a nice facility to play in there. But anyway, they have to share it so they get it at weird times. But we try to do something like that. I love going on the trips to Air Force because I like going out to Colorado and, you know, we've gone up Pikes Peak and done some stuff. But um, I'm really looking forward to going to. Arizona State to see their new arena, the Mullet, this year. Yeah, it's gonna look good. That's yeah. a, that's a trip I wish I could pull. Yeah, it's definitely. If we ever go back, that's definitely on my bucket list for sure. But I I like visiting places around the league, and I know these teams are our rivals or are hated and all, but they're a great people just about everywhere we go that we get to know. I mean, we've gotten to be good friends with the the guys at Air Force and at Bentley and, you know, uh, our friend uh, Nikolai Busco at Army is uh, a one of a kind guy and it's fun to see him. And a lot of the sports information directors on the league and around the league bend over backwards for us. So, yeah. And if I'm going to mention people around the league, I've got to mention a guy that probably most people are not even aware of. He's in his second year working with the league. He's the associate commissioner and basically the PR guy and statistics guy for the league, Todd Bell. He has been phenomenal since he started with the league last year. So much in the way of statistics and notes and everything. Um, getting to, to work with him, getting to know him has been great, too. It's been noticeable, too, like from a fan perspective. Oh, yeah. Stats are more relatively available. Like I was looking up a, a record. I don't even remember which one it was. But, I, oh, I was trying to see where Cam Burt was on the league all-time pointless. And I found it so easy where in years past where it would have just been impossible to find. Yeah, he went to town. He put together this. So that, that yeah. media guide is yes. awesome. <laughs> like, I don't know. The first one he did was 108 pages. I don't know how long this this year's is, but it's it's terrific. I think it's long. Yeah. I assume yeah. you've heard what yeah. the team calls Dwyer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the purple prison. This is I'm JJ's not sure I have, but uh, they, um, Kobe told us when he was on, they call it the purple prison. <laughs> well, I can see that. You know that it's not it's relatively. It's, 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 it's not bad, but it got so dark in there when they put those black and purple murals up on oh, the wall. God. They used to be white. So uh, that arena was originally designed so that they could expand seating on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe someday they'll get the opportunity. You know, it's uh, – I don't have anything against the Niagara program, but I think it's just awesome to have an opponent in the league. Great. And, you know, they uh, – that. Their coaches even said that uh, he hates RIT. And even though Canisius is their big rival, uh, you know we're right there. So I, I, I think it's good to develop a, a level of hate. We haven't had a team like that since the D three days with Elmira. Something about purple, man. I, I, I know. Something I know. about purple. It was one of my first away games I ever went to. We went to Dwyer. And I beat Nate there, and he walks in and just screams at the top of his lungs, I hate this place, just instantly. <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop, and he just yells, I hate this place. And he just went on a rant for like five minutes about Dwyer. It was yeah. really funny. 
Well, you know, everybody in the league has to hate RIT simply because of the mobile corner crew that shows up. I mean, (laughs) you know, that last game against Canisius, um, you know, there's there's the corner crew over there making all kinds of noise. And we look over and they're like seven students from Canisius with their hands neatly folded on their lap. And it's like, <laughs> whose home game is this? <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been jokingly saying that the month of February, we have five games, home games at GPC and three home games in Buffalo. So, yeah, well, and definitely a, a shout out for the um, Instagram video showing uh, the Canisius fans how to get tickets and how to get to their arena. <laughs> oh, man. That's... Uh... Some, uh, some trouble oh, came about that, apparently. Oh, damn, yeah. Oh, we'll, keep that, we'll keep that I, in I laughed out loud at the comment about that. That's <laughs> another arena where disappointing hockey is played. That no, I laughed, I laughed at that one, too. I, as a Sabres yeah. fan, I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um... So, you've obviously seen a bunch of them. Who are some of your favorite players to have watched at RIT? All time to have watched? Mm-hmm. Wow. All time. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's kind of cool, and, and I, someday I'll have to go through and, like, memorize it. Uh, former sports information director uh, Roger Dykes, who's involved with the, hockey, or with the Athletics Hall of Fame committee, uh, one of the things he gave me on the induction is this notebook – that's got um, all the rosters and statistics for all the teams going back to 82, 83. Wow. So, I mean, a Did lot of that stuff's that on the internet, but a lot of it's not. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the first player who, who really jumped out at me um, was also, is also still the all-time leading scorer for D1 and D3 combined. Uh, and that's uh, Chris Scooter Johnstone, who was just phenomenal. But that team, I look at the roster here, and I think of some of the guys on that team. Uh, they were that was a pretty magic team that went on to win that first Division II championship. Uh, people will know Dave Burkholder's name. He was the goalie on that team. Uh, but uh, you know, and then went on to coach at uh, Niagara. But you know, there's so many guys along the way. I, I, I. I I hate to uh, leave anybody out. I mentioned some players uh, at the Hall of Fame reception that we had, and I only, I mentioned two who were not in the room, but I mentioned some who were in the room. You know, like uh, uh, Simone Lambert was there. Uh, Isabel Richard was getting inducted, so he was there, and we all saw the wedding proposal at the Blue Cross game. That was fantastic. So talked a little about about him and remembered, mentioned uh, the game, that Elmira game and that comeback. It was Mike Tarantino who was there getting, he'd been inducted in the previous year and was at the reception. He's the one who fed Sam Hill at the Goalmouth. Uh, so he was there and, you know, of course, uh, Jared DeMichael and that. But two guys, not so much as on the ice, but just sort of how they sought out to kind of be friendly and friends with us. Uh, were two guys I mentioned there. And, and the first of them that I mentioned was Jeff Smith. Now, when Jeff played for the Tigers, and he was part of that Frozen 14, uh, he would come up to the press box before every game and say hi and shake hands. In fact, the first time 
we spoke to him in person was his freshman year and RIT was playing at Cornell. And he came up to us before the game and said, uh, hi, I'm uh, freshman Jeff Smith. I just want to make sure you guys were saying my name right. <laughs> so, so we kind of got a, got a could he fun. could he have a more generic name? Jeff uh, Smith. I know, but we had we got kind of a kick out of it, and he's the guy who got the the whole Movember thing going at RIT. And you know, I don't know if you've seen, but he's in the running for in hockey in Germany for the best mustache. And he, uh, I remember him talking before a game at Colgate, and his uh, his dad was there. His dad, Steve, and Jeff said to us, he says, I wish I could grow a righteous push broom like my dad. You know, I just always <laughs> remembered that that phrase, righteous push broom. But interestingly, there must be a mustache connection or a Movember connection because the other guy I mentioned at that was Todd Skirving. You know, he uh, the latter part of his career at RIT was probably a disappointment to him because of uh, so much injury. But he was another guy who would come up and wherever we were and say hello and all. And during the stretch when he was injured, sometimes he'd hop on the air with us between periods and all. But um, those guys meant a bit, you know, just from the personal standpoint. But but I could go through these rosters and probably pick out players from every year. And even as uh, just as I look at it here, I'm, I'm reminded of different people along the way um, who, uh, who were just terrific. I, you know, I think of... Uh, you know, one of the the great finds that Wayne had in his first season that he brought into RIT uh, as he was trying to put together a team and scramble for equipment and everything was goaltender Tyler Uverman, who was a terrific player and just a, a great guy. So, uh, you know, they're, they're just people all the way along that uh, that have been terrific. And, and certainly the guys on the ice have been fantastic, you know, so... I could I could probably take two hours and go through a list, but but uh, there have been a lot of them over the years. I was gonna say bringing up Skirving because Todd Skirving every year ever since he's graduated he gets one vote in the the fans' wow. choice poll every year. He always gets at least one. Wow, well, that's kind of cool. I sent him a message on Instagram last year when he got that vote because I was like, every year it's been consistent. Every year he gets one vote. And we, all, I, we we know who it is, yeah. but <laughs> I I sent him a note. The winner this year for you know the no chin mm-hmm. kind of the whole thing uh, mustache that Todd always does, and this year a new Finland is is must the screen. So I sent him the picture. So I did purchase one of those shirts and I think it's here. It's sent to my parents. House, but um, so you mentioned working with uh, USCHO um, mm-hmm. and I know you've covered a bunch of frozen fours over the year. You get to go every year. Um, what is the best game you've ever covered? Non RIT. Wow. I know the bunch, but <laughs> you know, it, boy, that those all take the floor together. Uh, this past year, when Denver made the comeback to win, it was fantastic. Uh, those games were all good. I got to cover the Albany Regional. I think my favorite of all of them has to do more 
with a post-game press conference. And that was when serious underdogs, Michigan State won, I think it was 07 in St. Louis. And uh, Jeff Lurg was their goaltender. And Jeff was listed at about 5'6". I mean, not not the prototypical college goaltender, let alone right. NHL, but he was fast and he could he could stop the puck. And they had lost, and I forget which one of Ryan Miller's brothers it was, but he had turned pro and he didn't come back. So like a fourth-line guy was the captain and all. And, and I'm forgetting the captain's name, but they're sitting at the press conference in the NCAAs and – and Lurg has this grin that wouldn't stop. And his captain is just 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 crying his eyes out the whole time. And 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 Lurg is looking at him and laughing. And uh, you know, it was it was fun to see that those press conferences, the little things you see or the things you see behind the scenes, like when in uh, Barry's first season at North Dakota in 2016 when they won in Tampa out for the press conference. And Brad says, uh, hold on a second. And the first thing he does is go up and give each of the players a hug. And you could see it was kind of interesting to watch that dynamic because we had been used to seeing Dave Hackstall, which you've seen with the Flyers and with a Kraken. And, you know, Hackstall is really kind of a easygoing kind of a guy. But when he's in coach mode, he's got piercing eyes and he looks like like he's got his his face set for the game and the whole bit uh to see that was was kind of cool in fact one of the things with uscho that's been great is having the opportunity to talk to a lot of these coaches and in the past few years i've i've asked a lot of questions and learned a lot about how they interact with players and how they care about developing the players as men and not just on the ice and and how they really have to think about um, not just coaching X's and O's like maybe a few years ago, but really trying to develop the whole human. To hear the guys talk about that and their approach to it is is pretty interesting. But uh, frozen to April. You know, it, it, I'm planning on it. Are you? Oh, you know, it's it's phenomenal for uh, a certain team that wears orange and black. Hopefully, um, hey, you know, <laughs> I know I it's still know. early, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, like, it, I seriously like this team. It, it's reminding me so much of that 2010 team. Like, it's almost kind of scary because it's like now that now the thoughts are starting to creep into the heads of well, you got to remember there. What, that 2010 team started the season 0 and 5. Oh god. It, it was like really, really here we started go again, to roll right? the second half of the season. <laughs> now uh, if the Tigers if the Tigers can put together a second and a half of the season that's anything close to what they did the first half, well it's going to be terrific. Um you know there are uh 18 games to go. Even if they went 500, and I hope they do better than that, but even if they went 500, that would be a 21-win regular season. If they go Jeez. like, uh, you know, if they go 12 and six, that's uh, that's 24 and 10. That's that's crazy. So, what they've accomplished so far has really set them up well. 
right now they're three points ahead of AIC, but AIC's played three more games. Right. Now, you got to win those games you have in hand, but everybody's chasing RIT right now. It's and, nice to be the, the team that everybody's chasing, not having to, oh, what did this team do this weekend or what did this team do? No, like it's just how did we do? Like You take care of your business and you're fine. Like It's been yeah. fun. And what's, I mean, for me, what's also kind of like looking at it as a fan, from a fan perspective is a lot of the teams that are closing in, they're like, I don't want to say closing in on us, but like that are closer to us point-wise are Sacred Heart, AIC, Holy Cross. Like those guys are kind of up there in the top of the division, the top of the conference, but we swept all of them. So it's kind of like we kind of have, we, we have easy tiebreakers, all of them. So even if they do catch up to us, we still kind of have that nice little nugget in the back of our minds that we don't have to worry as much about some of those guys obviously Niagara will be huge well yeah I mean Sacred Heart and AIC we're only playing them twice so we've we've right. swept those and that's done we do have to visit Holy Cross at the end of January and Bill Riga has done such a good job with that team they kind of been hit or miss but when they're playing like he wants them to they're very good and if you remember those games with them were not easy no they were uh, close. one of them went to overtime um and he was a huge part of Quinnipiac's success. So I, you know, he's he's trying to build a tradition there and build a team there. I, I think they're going to be somebody to watch out for in the next. They're definitely few years, a team I sure. don't want to play in March. <laughs> no, uh, I don't yeah, know. Just like, yeah. and I said it even after the games against us. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, we beat them twice. But they, like you said, they were not easy games, and they well, were. You reminded me. It reminded me of uh, a couple of my bad memories uh, uh, at at Holy Cross. The first one is RIT goes there for the playoffs, wins the first night. A bunch of guys get a stomach bug. They're terrible the second night. Game goes overtime the third night. Puck's going around the the boards in the RIT zone, kicks off a linesman's skate, springing a three-on-one towards the RIT net. Xander Kukali was the one and uh, just he has nightmares over that. But, uh, you know, but the other one should have been the only career goal for Daniel Spivak. This is before video. And uh, Scott Bigger and I were doing the game and the, they had a set up kind of along the goal line at where our table was. And that was where our IT was shooting. And we see the puck go in and hit the the upright in the back and then come out. And I called it a goal for Spivak and the guys are mobbing him because everybody knew it was a goal except the guy with the stripes and the armbands and oh. waved it off. And there was, and, and we were just incensed when we saw that, but what were you going to do before video? Now they would have gotten it right. Most of the time. But, uh, I will say this: the officials do try to do a good job, yes, and they've been getting better each year. It, it They're more athletic, been, for the most part. Like, let's be honest; it hasn't been horrible this year. It's right. been way worse before. And that's what I try mm-hmm. to tell people. Still yeah. not great, but it's getting there. It's it's so hard for the officials in a number of ways. One, the rules keep getting more complex. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, second, the speed of the game keeps getting faster and faster third even made it a point of emphasis diving and embellishment 
And that makes their job a lot harder. And I, I'm not going to name the teams. I'm really not going to name the teams, but there are teams in the league that are known for that. You know, it's like, it's, they, they fold like a, like a card table when you hit them or something, you know, fold like a, a table at a Bills pregame. It, <laughs> It doesn't help the game at all. So I think, Ed, before we close out, um, there is something that I know I want to share. The people in the corner, um, while we're at games, a lot of them, I know Sarah, Randy, a bunch of other people, um, you'll see people with earbuds in during the game. Uh-huh. That's because they're watching wow. the game on the ice with your commentary in their ear. Wow, that's, that's cool. Every every I'm game, say, every I week. always uh, Wow. I I've become, appreciate that. I've become really good at it. Uh, away games, I'll I'll time up flow with uh, with your broadcast. So, yeah, I, and, I appreciate that. It it means a lot to us, and you know where it's really meant a lot is to parents and grandparents of the players, where we've been the connection, and when we get to meet some of them, uh, it's it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I know there's I been. Say- there's been multiple games where I'm sitting here and I just hear someone behind me just scream, yes, Ed, because like they're listening. <laughs> like you've said something and they're just like so in agreement of it. And people are looking at them like, what are you talking about? Who is who? who what are you listening to in your ear? And then they find <laughs> out they're listening to you and they're like, oh, never mind. Like we figured it out now. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I do credit you and Scott and Randy and Matt and Chris. Like I, you know, I've, been around RAT games I don't there were years where I did not miss a single away game on the radio so and that's how I'm able to listen to hockey on radio as well as I can because you guys really really brought that to me at an early age so I really do appreciate it oh great you guys are the best thanks thanks um do you have any last comments or thoughts you want to leave the viewers or the listeners with um Tiger fans are just really fortunate to have had such a good program and one so well run over the years you know the when when Wayne Wilson came to RIT we figured okay he'd be here three years and off to something else and instead uh, he was part of getting it to division one I remember when he brought the idea up to us and we thought that he was kidding or a little nuts (laughs) but he made it happen and you know, each step of the way, there's been an improvement, the Frozen Four, the Gene, and uh, now getting athletic scholarships, which are going to make a difference and are already making a difference, and which Wayne has already passed out to current players as well as incoming ones. Each step of the way, it's it's been done just so well. Um, I know we get disappointed with years that are down, but our down years are like most teams' good years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so being uh, being around the program is really a privilege for anybody who gets to be a fan. Yeah, I don't think I got. We are definitely it. we're definitely spoiled. That's yes, for sure. yep. very much so. Um, with that being said, I think we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up here. Um, thank you again, Ed, for coming on for taking time out of your very busy schedule um, to come on and just kind of chat with us and do this interview. It was very fun. Um, we'll have to do a part two sometime. Maybe yeah, after the season. Well, Thanks. I really enjoyed catching up with you. Uh, that being said, if you have not already, uh, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the notification bell so you are notified when new episodes go up. Maybe when part two with Ed comes around at some point, you'll be notified when that happens. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're also on there. Make sure you follow on that. 
Um, you can thank Dan Scully for the Apple Podcast one because he complained enough about it to where we actually went through and did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we told you guys there was a, there was some surprises coming. Obviously, this is one of them. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, everybody out there. Uh, have a great night and go Tigers. Go Tigers. All right, all right.